welcome to Arrest All the Mix. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. How are you doing everyone? Are you good? Are you well? Are you creative? I hope so. Uh, massive thanks to everyone who came down. First ever Arrest All the Mix live. Uh, it was tremendous. I'm not going to lie, it was, um, it was a real adrenaline ride for me because I've done events before, a handful of occasions, and they're pretty stressful, sometimes for the wrong reasons, sometimes for the right. You never quite know what you're going to get with these things unless you're a bit of a veteran and you've done it a long time, which I certainly have not. So this was absolutely, uh, this is a blast. So many characters in the room, so many people who, who listen to this show, which is such an honour, such an honour. It's uh, it's something you do every week and I put it out there and there's always the fear just like, you know, when that last freelance job ends and you don't know when the next bit of work's coming from. This was no different. So you get down there and there's the usual, what happens is at these events, right? You you get there, you get set up. There's that little bit of relief. You have a beer, you go for some food, whatever it is you do. And then there's the fear. Is anyone coming? Is anyone going to come through the door? I get it every week with this show, but at least I've got the sanctuary of my studio. Events, you're on the front line. You're there. Um, is anyone coming? Is it, I don't know. You know, you you worry that people are not going to come down or people who've said they are are going to not bother. You know, they've bought a ticket and you think, screw it, I'll, I'll stay home tonight or whatever. So it was a huge relief when we found out the event had sold out and actually everyone came down, so it was absolutely wonderful. There was a huge buzz around the room. Everyone's having beers, catching up, conversations, people meeting for the first time. You've got agents in there. You've got guys who've been in the game 50 years, like my guest today, Brian Grimwood. Um, huge honour. We'll get on to it in a moment. I'll just quickly thank the sponsors. Uh, founding sponsor, Illustration Web, illustrationweb.com. My agency, wonderful people. Um, I talked to Harry the next day, the uh, the MD of the, the agency, and... He said he was quite proud because we, we started this thing together and Harry gave me the confidence and the idea to to go out and do this. And the support, you know, as my agent, he could have said, what are you doing? This is a distraction from the illustration. But I think the guys at Illustration have always had a huge appreciation of my need to be versatile and do things outside of just illustration. So just a huge thank you to these guys for their ongoing support from day one. And to see Harry uh, there on the night, along with Alice from the agency, was was wonderful. And the friendly face in the room, and it really does mean the world. And I hope this thing's going to go from strength to strength. You get dips. I was only questioning it on the day, on the morning. I was talking to my girlfriend Laura and having a little bit of a panic, going, "What am I doing? Like, I should be in my studio getting on with things. Why am I going down to London to do this thing?" So don't be fooled by by people who are putting things out there on the Instagram and the Twitter. We all have sort of confident moments when you get that nice new project through, but we all have the huge dips, and certainly in the event space, and certainly doing something like this, which is not my go-to skill, which has always been drawing. So thank you to, to Illustration Web for that ongoing support, and, a tr- and they went out on a limb. It was trust. It was sheer trust based from conversations we'd had over coffees, and broadcasting and live events are a whole different whole different thing. So just a massive thank you to those guys for that ongoing support. And the same goes to Heart Internet. They've been there since early on. They took a punt on the show. Um, and they're still here. They're still helping. And it's wonderful. So cheers, guys. Um, and I give a digital tip from Heart every episode. Um, do you know what? I'm going to give a tip based on my ridiculousness at this event. So <laughs> it was only on the morning that I thought, um, shit. 
I maybe should have got a tripod for this thing because what right, what happens is this. Anyone who's been to my studio to be on the show will know that I drag out a plastic chair, I stick a pile of books on it, and I put my microphone on top, and we put the kettle on, and we sit back on the sofa, and we have a conversation. And that's the way I like to do it, a little bit rough around the edges, because if I try to polish anything that I do, whether it's written, drawn, spoken, or performed, it falls apart. So that's the way. And I thought, okay, that's cool, that's fine, we'll, we'll find a way, we'll find something on the, on the day. And it's only on the morning that I think, oh my God, there's going to be 60-odd people in this room. The Association of Illustrators are putting on the event. You've got Central Illustration Agents, you've got my agents in the room, Illustration Web. Um, you've got veterans, you've got Brian's friends, his commissioners, and I'm thinking... What are you doing? This is not going to work. This looks terrible. There's punk and then there's amateur. So I did an interview in the afternoon with the lovely Gail Armstrong, who's a wonderful paper sculpture artist. And I went around her studio. And as luck would have it, I mentioned that I've got to go out and find a tripod now with about an hour to spare. And Gail, uh, bless her heart, lent me a tripod. She was coming down to the event. She said, I'll pick it up afterwards. You don't even have to carry it into the pub. Cue me running around London with... Um, with a tripod under my arm, looking slightly dubious. People looking at me in the underground going, I don't know what this guy's doing. Is he going to whack someone with that thing? Um, it's pretty nuts. So in the end, we ended up with my microphone. A white tacked, also lent by Gail, I might say. White tacked to the tripod. Um, pointing at the speaker. Kind of embarrassing. It's not It's not great, right? And it actually worked. It recorded. But thankfully, uh, us two. Okay, so big thanks to us two for putting on this event. They um, they sorted me out. They recorded direct from the microphones, and it was wonderful. I hope you like the quality of what's going on here because it's not down to me. And I guess that the long way around the tip from Heart Internet is do your do your research, be professional, get prepared. Um, next time out, we're going to be doing that. So the deal was, we looked into this and went. We may never do a live podcast again. Is it worth spending a few hundred quid on a live setup, getting a mixing desk and all that kind of stuff? If we don't do this, if if you know if nobody turns up, as it goes, the event was fantastic. It went well. So next time out, we're going to have a much better setup. So thank you for everyone who persevered. And there's a tip from Hart: <laughs> do your preparation, do your homework, you lazy little shits. Also, I want to thank Central Illustration Agency who very kindly put on a few drinks for the night. Um, came down helped certainly helped to get my confidence going uh helped loosen up the room i think so thanks a lot to those guys go and check them out um so on to it i hope you enjoyed craig craig black uh, a couple of weeks ago we had a little break in between whilst i was in hong kong um and this episode was wonderful so here's how it goes when ren renwick the managing director of the association of illustrators got in touch with me and said um what can we do to support the show? We love what you're doing. We want to move forward. We want to do events outside of London. We want to connect with people who are already doing great work. And we've seen what you're up to with the podcast. So let's get it moving. And that was a massive uh, compliment to me because the Association of Illustrators are a wonderful organisation in my world. A lot of respect for them. And to work directly with them is brilliant. And one of the first ideas that I had, um, I said I'd like to do a live show. I'd like to talk with someone prominent in the industry I talked to, I'd like to talk to legends, I'd like to talk to new people um, and see if we can make it work on an event space and Ren loved the idea so they really got behind this and she got back to me and said Brian Grimwood's up for it so I'm like okay, wow okay fantastic so Brian Grimwood's been going over 50 years, he started in the 60s as an illustrator and you've just got to take one look at how prolific he's been over the years He's worked with two of the Beatles. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'd let that sink in a little bit. He's worked with two of the Beatles. He worked with Ringo and George. He created the album artwork for George Harrison's Live in Japan. Uh, there's a story about that on this interview. But Brian's just a bundle of energy. He's a, he's a character. He's a lovely man. And we met, we went for beers, we went for lunch, we met a few times just to get to know one another. And I wanted to learn about him and he kindly gave me a copy of his book which has everything in there which I recommend you go out and buy. It's brilliant. Um, so it was a huge honour for me. You've got to bear in mind I've been doing this nearly nine years now. It'll be nine years in November, I've been full time as an illustrator. So for me to sit down and talk to Brian Grimwood who's been going over 50 years, who founded the Central Illustration Agency, who's travelled the world, who's worked with the most wonderful clients on this planet and done the best work um it's a huge honor he did the cover of sir john hegarty's book this is what we're talking about so it blew me away and very quickly you feel at ease with brian he's a he's a character he's a he's got energy he's got confidence he's got swagger but he's also got a great deal of humility and what i will learn about him over time was that he's very relaxed he's enjoying where he is right now He's, but like I say, he's been doing this over 50 years and he's got to a point where he's just working now purely for pleasure. He's working for awesome clients, don't get me wrong, professionally, but he's in a place of invincibility where, as you'll find out with one of the questions on the show, he, he doesn't care. He does it for the love of it and if people like it, fantastic, they'll commission him. If not, life's too short. <laughs> Move on and find somebody else. So it's just going to be... It's, it was an awesome night, let's put it that way. So I just wanted to say a big thanks to the IT man, Florian, at us too. Thanks to us too for giving us a wonderful event space. Thanks to everyone who came down on the night, regular listeners, new people, people from Brian's world who came down, and I hope I did this legend justice. I hope everyone who saw uh, and listened to me on the night felt that I gave a good example of what Brian's about. Hope I got under the skin with the questions. I felt there was a good flow. I felt uh, Brian was hilarious. He kept me on my toes as an interviewer. This was a real challenge to respond in a live space. I'm not going to lie, I was nervous as hell. But seeing a few friendly faces in the crowd and uh, getting a couple of beers down me beforehand really did help. So get me your feedback, please, at Arrest All Mimics on the Twitter. Uh, thanks to Craig Black last week. We've got some more awesome episodes coming up. I'm sure we'll be doing some more live events after how well this one went thank you again to the association of illustrators um and thank you of course to brian himself for taking the time and, and persevering with me someone who's very much the amateur interviewer um and an illustration underling as somebody who's very new compared to brian in the industry it really means a lot so cheers everyone i hope you enjoy it um thanks again to the sponsors illustrationweb.com heart internet and the association of illustrators for their ongoing brilliant and crucial support uh, enjoy the show. This was recorded live, so forgive uh, the bumps, but I felt it was better to leave them in there. Uh, let us know how you feel and, and if you're into it and who you might want to hear from live in the future, and we'll hopefully make it happen. Cheers, guys. Right, first things first, we found a day return. Somebody's dropped. Don't know who's lost one, but it's there. If you want it, come and get it after. Thanks for coming down, everyone. Uh, massive thanks to the AOI for putting this on. Um, it's been really cool working with everyone there since Ren took over. She's been pretty keen to kind of support what I was doing with the podcast, which is essentially uh, an illustrator trying to broadcast. And as somebody who's kind of done this now for a, a few years, um, what you start to realise is that people, myself included massively, really like to hear the story of the journeys and uh, the struggles and you know why someone started and what their background is. So as things moved along, I started to write more and more. And initially, it was kind of pure frustration. Um, you know, six-week dry spells, all that stuff that everyone goes through. 
I started to document it just as almost like therapy for me and, and, and people liked it and people were said, okay, this is cool. I'm going through the same stuff. One thing led to another and I started to do a podcast. So I thought it would be pretty cool if I could set myself up with a microphone, start to talk to, to other creatives from all different fields and find out why they do what they do, who they are, why is that relevant, all these kind of questions. And it's been going on. We've done about 89 episodes now. And it's an absolute pleasure to talk to someone like Brian who has been going a lot longer than me and uh, has learned, you know, obviously many things as we saw from his presentation. His work is incredible and he's a character. So it's uh, it's a real pleasure to kind of do this tonight. So there's, um, there's a story in your book about drawing naked ladies for bullies. Is that true? It's a true story. Yes, um, I, <laughs> I uh, attended a rough school in Penge, just south London. And um, the way that I used to get, um, get round the bullies is they used to come up to me and ask me to draw naked ladies, um, which I was quite good at, obviously all from memory. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but, you know, I was quite popular. Drawing naked ladies. Yes, that was that was the beginning of my artistic career. <laughs> I didn't get money. I got um, macaroon biscuits. Uh, 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 oh. Yeah. Anyway, it's a long story. That is. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of families, there's a as we as many of us will know, um, even to this day, we encounter, you know, raised eyebrows when someone reaches a certain age and want and, and expresses a desire to go into the creative industries, no matter what they want to do. You talked about the the game you play with your father, the Scribble game. Um, were you all were they quite supportive as a family in in, in your desire to to be creative <laughs> professionally? Well, um, I was just I was almost getting recognised as an illustrator, and uh, my dad used to have it go down his local pub, and I think someone in the pub had said, "Did you know your son is uh, on the cover of Radio Times?" and um, he never, he didn't know that. And uh, he wanted me to give him some drawings that he could put outside uh, in a line so that maybe he could get some money out of it. <laughs> Brilliant. He, di he didn't know anything to do with, I didn't, he didn't know I had anything to do with illustration. No? No. So what was the lead? When, wh at what point did you think that this was a career or were, or were you on the side that there was never anything else? I mean, it is, was this, did this come natural to you? I think, I think, if you ask most illustrators, well, we all still tell the same story. I mean, we've all, it, yeah, it was the only thing I ever was into, and uh, I realised uh, people quite liked what I was doing. I was always top of the class at school, um, at art, and uh, yeah, um, it, there was nothing else apart from now I'm playing the bass guitar in the Butcher's Blues Band. I'm, I'm not that good at that. Uh, there was a time when I was hoping it was either, shall I be a musician or shall I carry on with art? And it, it was a no-brainer, really. I realised that I was much better at art than, than playing the guitar. Um, let's talk about Winframpton. Um, it, I mean, you're best positioned to explain who Owen is and his importance to your journey. Yeah, I, I, um, I went to... The, the secondary modern school in Penge um, uh, from the age of 11. And then I passed this uh, exam at 13, which was quite unique at the time. And I was uh, 
given the opportunity to go to Bromley Technical High School. And there I met the head, the head art teacher was a guy called Owen Frampton. And any of you uh, old enough, um, Owen is the father of Peter Frampton, the guitarist, who also attended Bromley Tech, along with David Bowie. He was, he, we were all in the same um, art class. Um, yeah, so he was a huge influence. He got, he got because of the um, the people that he'd uh, got jobs for in the past. He rang up one of his uh, ex pupils, and uh, I got a job at Carlton Artists in Marble Arch as a general artist in 1964. So yeah, he was a big influence on me, and he liked what I did, and he was a great bloke. So yeah. How, what kind of impact did that have in terms of not going to art college or, or university? Because university? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I, there was never a chance of me going to university. Although more recently, I've become an on, I've got an honorary degree. I had to, I had to go to Nottingham University, and uh, there I put the gown on, and the hat, and uh, yeah, I've got a certificate saying that nice. I'm okay. <laughs> so I must be okay. Anyway, um, I did. I would have loved to have gone to art school, but I, I, I only got one um, GCSE or GCE, GCSE, whatever they're called now. Um, of course, it was art. I got A level art when I was uh, 16, which was quite unique at the time, I suppose, along with a few other people. But. Um, yeah, uh, but you needed five GCSEs to get into art school, so there was no chance. So I went straight in 1964, age 16, I went straight into a job. Like, I left school, and a week later I was in a job. Do you feel the landscape has changed in that respect? I'm talking about people who might not be able to afford, or, or maybe the university is not right for them now, but in terms of the industry and the workplace, do you think that would, do you think someone not having that, educational background would now be a disadvantage? I don't know about now. I, a lot of people that I've known over the years who didn't go to art school, um, you know, there's a whole load of names. I think people like, things like people like Ralph Steadman, I think, was one. A guy called John Gorham was another one. Uh, there was a whole load of people that I thought were brilliant. Uh, they didn't go to art school, so you don't have to go to art school. Um, I think sometimes it slows you down, probably. Mm. Uh, I used to enjoy te teaching or giving, you know, lectures or whatever they were in those days. I used to enjoy going because it was like being art school. Uh, I enjoyed it on that level. And what about freelance origins? What, at what point did you did you what, did you make a decision to go your own way, or was it something that was that just kind of happened for you? Organically? Well, there was no choice, you know. <laughs> Uh, there I was, um, had the privilege of working in this studio. Um, I'd worked, I had a job a year um, for six years. Uh, and the only way, the reason I s changed jobs, it was the only way you get a pay rise. Nobody ever uh, said to me, do you want a pay rise? Do they do that anymore? Have people have pay rises? Uh, anyway, so um, I remember my second... My second job, I went from Carlton Artists, I went to Pi Records, and I ended up the art director at Pi Records, uh, which was a great job, because I was really 
as I said earlier, I was really into the blues, and I was doing all the chess label um, record covers. And um, yeah, what was the question <laughs> <laughs> about your <laughs> about your origins into into you going your as an independent as going freelance? Yeah, so I had all these jobs, and um, in 1969, 70, I uh, well actually in 69 I broke up with a girlfriend, and it completely destroyed me, and I, so I left work, and I I used that time for a whole year. I just sat in my bedroom producing work um, as a portfolio. And the first day I went out after a year, I went to Club International and they gave me 12 full-page cover, colour illustrations to do. And uh, I never looked back. And, uh, and then there was a magazine out at the time called... What was it called? Something like Quest or something. I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, they did a feature on me. And uh, and uh, everything took off after that. Amazing. <laughs> How did you respond to that pressure? I, mean, I, I think back to my own circumstances, and I almost had a nervous breakdown with my first commission. Um, I mean, I was I put you know pressure on myself just because as someone starting out, this idea of doing this thing that I'd been chasing down, this this dream really, without overstating it, I kind of you know I got the job done, and then looking back, it's all right, it's not bad. But I was I, you know I was on the brink of tears at one point without the help of a friend who shared a studio. How do you respond to, to that kind of introduction? Because that's a big commission to kick off with. I think, I think being, I, I, I was ending up an art director with these jobs and I was, um, I understood what, how the business worked. So unlike people who just leaving art school, uh, you know, and becoming an illustrator or whatever, I'd actually been working for six years. So I felt quite okay with that. I felt as professional as I was ever going to be, so I didn't have any. I didn't feel pressure. I, I was excited that I was being asked to do mm. what I was going to do. I didn't need. I didn't need the money. I I was um, living in my dad's house at the time, um, so I didn't have any pressure at all. I just all I needed to do was perform. Really, mm. you hit on a good point there about you know prior industry experience and seeing the other side of the curtain, so to speak, which is. You know, we, I mean, when you, like you said, they're coming straight out of art school. I think a lot of people, you know, creative directors and art directors are on this pedestal, and and it's feel like I certainly felt like I had to bow down to these people when I turned up my portfolio. Nothing wrong with that because I had a lot of respect for them. But now, you know, you you go for nights out with these people and you see a different side of all nice of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I I, I had some uh, hairy moments. You know, I remember. I remember someone looking through my portfolio and um, they were, um, yeah, they picked up, picked on one particular picture in the, it was an illustration and it was quite a sort of like, sort of flashy art director and he said, um, although I did like his work by the way, I only went to see him because I liked what he did. So anyway, he was looking through my portfolio and he said, um, do you like this picture? you know, the, the out of my portfolio. And uh, I said, it's all right, yes, okay. He said, no, do, do you like it? I said, yes, it's all right. He said, yes, okay, one, well, you know, it's all right. He said, do you really like it? I said, nah, no, it's not that great. He <laughs> said, so he pulled it out of my portfolio and he tore it up. He said, well, don't show it to me then. And I, I that was a huge lesson learned. 
don't show anybody anything that you can't defend. And uh, hang on, there's a there's a man shouting. Is that Mr. Ben Cox? Did did what, did <laughs> you were scratching your bird beard? Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sorry. So stylistically, at this point, did had you had. What we see now, and, and not just now, but over the, the, the journey you showed us earlier, um, did you, did you, was there a confidence that had that already started to come from you naturally? Did you, were you even bothered or aware about that? I was supremely confident because if you're not confident, then there's a million people out there who knock your confidence. Yeah. No, um, yeah, I, I, you've got to be confident to be in this business. Um, you know, some people look at your portfolio like a pack of cars. They go, and then you're out the door. Mm -hmm. um, I used to get round that by choosing the people who I wanted to see, who, who the art directors whose work I admired, and I, I, you know, my felt thought process. Well, if 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 I like what they do, hopefully they like what I do. That's that's how it worked. Mm. So culturally, I mean, I, I was interested as a, as a as a Beatles fan. I was interested. You mentioned Klaus Foreman in in you know in the Revolver cover and and, and, yeah. in, and an exciting time with music and everything else. Did you you know how was that? Did you did you soak all that up? Was this was this an important factor in in you staying motivated and, and attacking this career? I loved the Beatles. It, the whole thing was great. You you got to be there to understand how phenomenal it was in every sense fashion, music, obviously. Uh, the whole thing was a very exciting time to be in it. Um, I remember doing, a, I was working at Gorringe's department store in 1967 as their art director. I was only 19 or something. Um, I blagged that job. I, I, was doing <laughs> I was doing some funny job in some circle artists, I think it was called. I was earning some like, 17 pounds a week anyway to get this job I, I i said i'm earning 30 pounds a week or something and he gave me the job anyway so um yeah i did my version of that uh, revolver cover at that time because it was although looking at it i mean it was all based on sort of max ernst and uh you know that was it really um but i didn't realize that at the time but I have done, there is a version out there of my version of the Revolver cover. Mm. Well, down the road, I mean, you, you pitched for the, the anthology, right? I did, yes. Um, a guy called um, Neil Aspinall, he was, uh, he was known as the Fifth Beatle, like a lot of people are called, the Fifth Beatle. But he was their road manager when they were working in uh, Hamburg. And he was running Apple in Mayfair. And... Uh, yeah, he he put his arm around me and he uh, he, he put his arm around me. And he said, uh, "We're going to make two hundred million out of this. Would you like to do the job?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll be okay." <laughs> and um, uh, I did. I really wanted to do the job, and I did about sixteen paintings, all to do with the Beatles. Uh, unfortunately, um, there was other people involved pitching for this job. One was. Well, uh, David Hockney was asked, and he said no. Um, there was a couple of others. Um, Humphrey Ocean was asked to do it as well, another a guy who went on a tour with McCartney round America. Uh, and another guy, and me. Anyway, uh, Klaus Vorman 
was asked because he played with the Beatles in uh, Hamburg or knew them and um, he got the job hence the revolver cover um, but you've uh, let's t t tell us about George Harrison's mustache <laughs> <laughs> yeah I suppose this is quite famous now as a story yes um, I had uh, George Harrison's um, company ring me up and said would you do the cover uh, for his uh, forthcoming album called Live in Japan. And uh, it was uh, featuring Eric Clapton. Clapton. Um, so all they wanted from me was a portrait. And uh, George had seen a portrait that I'd done of a, of a guy who we used to represent called Charlie Riddle. No relation to Jimmy Riddle. Hang on, Hang on I'm going into the old, the old lines here, by the way. Uh, anyway, so... I did a picture of Charlie Riddle, who who was an art artist we represented, and I had a, I'm digressing, uh, I had a blobby paintbrush, and I did this picture of Charlie Riddle, and it looked very, very Japanesey, and it was that picture that George Harrison seen, and he thought that he'd like a picture of himself, l l you know, that sort of vibe. Um, everything went well until um, six weeks went by. I delivered the artwork. And uh, I had a, a note saying, um, George has grown a moustache. I went, what? So, so I, did, I did all these drawings of moustaches, like Hitler, Salvador Dali, you know, I numbered num one, two, three, four, five. And I said, well, pick the one that he's, you know, he's draw, you know, got, and I'll add it, and that's what I did. <laughs> Thumbnails for George's moustache. Yeah, so, and, and you can <laughs> still buy this thing. It was added on. <laughs> His moustache. So, if you don't mind telling us a story. So, you, I love the story about how the Central Illustration Agency came to be and, and, and well, you tell us what happened there. I had a phone call from a friend, uh, a photographer, um, and I'd met him before, and he rang up and he said, look, uh, my wife and I are going to be splitting up. They were based up in Wales. And uh, do you think you could give her a job? And I said, yeah, okay. Uh, so, so, so I said, yeah, I can, I can I tell you what, she can work for me. Um, I, I was getting a lot of work editorially at that time, but I wasn't getting much work with um, advertising, which is where the money is, of course. So Pam Oscombe, her name is, who now works for Gray's Advertising, I believe. Anyway, she, um, she came down, and uh, I'd, I had a girlfriend who had a spare room, so I, I found her a place to live as well. So... The CIA started by me employing this girl, purely for me at the time. But within, I think it was a week, I had something like half a dozen phone calls from friends who I know as illustrators saying, I hear you've opened up an agency. And I went, no, the last thing I wanted to do. I mean, agents are hated. I, and I, I was, you know, jolly chappy. I didn't, I didn't want to be hated by people. Uh, anyway, um, uh, so we started the agency. It, it was started really just for me and my work, but uh, in the end, the CIA was started up. 
and now it's being run incredibly successful by Benjamin Cox, who's at the back there again. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> so I'm, as someone who's, you know, an illustrator myself, I am represented by illustration, who, and I, I understand. Who are they? <laughs> I understand the importance, especially in today's industry, of agents, and you know, with the digital revolution and, and intellectual property. How do you feel about their, their, their role in the industry today and, and, and you know, people like the AOI and, and that unity? Do you think it's, you know, what? They've always had a, you know, the AOI, I, I was on their first committee back in 1973. And um, they've always, the idea was we were fighting the rights of illustrators. And at, the t at that time, um, you know, all the publishing houses were demanding, um, that they owned, you did a drawing for them and they said you, they owned it and that, that was it. So we had to fight uh, licensing rights and fees and, and everything. So, yeah, and I think it's come a long way now. Um, we, we've become quite a legit job and, you know, respected, certainly within the industry. Um, but it's all down to usage rights and licensing. That's that's uh, that's what Ben does a lot with CIA, and does that well, and obviously gets a lot of uh, more more money than in the old days where you just used to get a pittance for a drawing, and then you'd lose everything. Mm. That's that's how it's come come about now. You there's a quote that you mentioned. Um you used a Charlie Chaplin quote in your book, first entertain yourself and then the public. Um, even just tonight sitting here for your presentation, I, a couple of people close to me were, were, were commenting on your energy and not just in, in you. you know, your personality, your zest, um, your love of, of what you do and, and, and not to mention how prolific you are. Is there a valuable lesson in there in terms of um, retaining, you know, exploring creatively what, what you're interested in as a person? Um, indulging the creative soul and, and not just leading with what you think might be expected of you, which is a very common trap for people to fall into. I, I don't think anybody should be led. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't follow trends particularly. Well, not at all. Um, another little mantra of mine was show them the way and they will follow. You know, I, I was aware of uh, I could do something and then it would be influ influential. Mm. And uh, you can influence people. Uh, you can aim fellow illustrators and art directors, which is what the game is really. You're trying to create something that can be used and be memorable. Mm. I mean, that's all we do, uh, trying to make things look memorable and important. Mm. And it's a bold, you made you know, a very bold transition into the iPad work and the digital stuff. Um, you know, my dad once said it'd be quicker for him to go and knock on someone's front door than send a text message, and, and to this day, he only puts his phone on when he needs it. So it's very inspiring to see, um, you know, a guy with your experience and, and the things you've done in the industry, adapting like that and having fun and, uh, and playing with that. Um, do you think it's important to still scare yourself creatively and, and take these jumps? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the world we live in. I mean, I. You know, I used to say I can't even change a light bulb, let alone get involved in technology or computers. Um, but I have learned, and I've I started learning at the right time, obviously. 
there was a lot of my peers at the time, you know, they didn't know what a computer was. Um, I, I had a, a studio in Covent Garden, and what I did was I offered free desk space to somebody if they taught me Photoshop. And uh, it, I mean, that took me about 10 years to do that um, because I couldn't have done it on a, with a book. I couldn't have read, you know, couldn't have sorted it out like that. And um, that's how I started. And I'm glad I did because a lot of my peers at the time were left behind. Um, and I, I absolutely love doing it. I, I've limited the amount of knowledge that I wanted. You know, I've, I've kept, I, I, can't, I couldn't use Illustrator, for instance. And, and why would I? I? I noticed that anybody using Illustrator, all, everybody's illustrations using Illustrator, the program, were all looking the same. And my idea was that um, as I, I wanted to mess the, the iPad and the drawings that I did. I wanted them to make look as I could have done them on acrylic paint. Oh, that's something I never mentioned, by the way. The whole point of this iPad thing was... Um, they were future paintings. That's, that's what this was all about. Um, they were roughs for paintings. The trouble is, I started getting too into it. And I haven't, uh, my wife said, she said, Look, you know, what, to end this talk, why don't you do a painting? I said, oh, you know, I will, but not at the moment, you know. <laughs> so a lot, all these could be paintings. Mm. And that's what I'm looking forward to because they will take on a different thing then. You know, once once I get the accidents going with the pain, that's going to be another thing altogether. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very inspiring to see, you know, just that retaining everything that makes your work so soulful across two very clashing disciplines. I think it's wonderful, and I think it's you know it's what a personal style is about. Yeah, being true to yourself. Um, yeah, that's that's how it is. Uh, uh, there was no choice in the matter. I had to be pr true to myself. Yeah, that's all I can do, really, and play, play a little bit of bass guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so I do. Um, the last thing I always ask my guests at the end is uh, a question I call "Shark in the Tank," and I ask them a very because it's a very love-hate piece of art by Damien Hirst. Yes. So I asked them for a love and a hate, or a positive and a negative, very loosely themed around creativity. It could be absolutely anything you want. Well, things that I. I love ladies. <laughs> I hate smoking. <laughs> I, I don't smoke. I, that's why I survived the 60s, I think, because I, I never smoked cigarettes, and so I was never going to get into pot or anything. So, uh, and I've never had pills either. So that's why I'm still here. Brilliant. I'm pleased, pleased about that. And I'm very thankful for that. So thank you, well, Graham, for your time. Well, thank you, everybody, for turning up and listening. Thank you. Thank you. So I think we're going to do some audience questions. So if anybody's got one, go for it. And there's a man over there. Uh, Brian, it's Terry. Hello, Terry. Um, <laughs> somebody who knows you from uh, way back. How many uh, years ago is that, Terry? A um, hundred? I first commissioned you in 1976. God, was I going then? 
Um, yes. Your style from that period is um, almost iconic um, and deeply, deeply based in consummate drawing. What I've seen this evening and what I've watched you do over the last year with your posts is something which has almost thrown that away. And I wonder how you feel. Uh, I admit you're doing it very consciously as uh, part of your change of character. How do you feel about how this may be received by those people who know you from old? I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I, you, you get to a certain age, Terry, I know you know this, where you don't care anymore. There comes a time in your life you do what you do, why you want to do it and how you do it. That's it, really. I, I, I don't have to worry about anything. I just do what I do. That's why I'm using this, the Instagram, the Facebook drawing, just purely for entertaining myself. And I, I, and I can get away with it. And uh, it, it, because I know people around me, uh, they're, they're either paying a mortgage or something. And, um, you know, life is not easy. And I, I'm sort of leapt across that a bit. I mean, I'm fortunate to be involved in CIA. Uh, so it's allowed me to do what I want to do, and and I use that. So I don't care whether anybody likes it or not. <laughs> uh, hopefully they like it, uh, but I don't care if they don't. No, I'm saying it's out there. I'm not asking them to do it if they don't want to do it. Uh, you know, I'm okay with that. No, if, if they're... Um, forward-thinking enough to understand what I'm doing and it's worth it, commission me. But I don't care if they don't, you know. I know that sounds awful, doesn't it? We've got a question here. Uh, forgive my uh, ignorance, but I'm not sure if you've um, had anything to do with the House of Illustration yet. And uh, if No, not, they haven't asked that, me. That would be really lovely to see your work there. I, I would Thank love you. to as well. Yeah. They had a party. They didn't invite me. I felt like... Uh, I felt I was like an outsider. So no, yeah, if any... What's his name? Who's the guy there? Colin. Who's the main person? Colin. It's Colin. The House of Illustration. Am I getting confused? Quentin Blake. No, I'm, I'm not confused. Yeah. No, but he didn't ask me to the party. But I will attend if he asks me again. Yeah, definitely. I just wanted to ask what you see the future of illustration as being. Uh, was that to me? Yes. <laughs> future of illustration. Well, we're all going to continue on and uh, try and surprise everybody. Um, I think it's incredible that we've got the technology now. I, I mean, I just love the computer. Um, it's a cliche thing to say, but... I mean, if Picasso had had a computer, imagine, just imagine. So, uh, and we've got the computer, and there's a lot of people incredibly talented. Uh, we could all push the barriers and make people see things that they never thought they could see, you know? I just, lo I just love it. It's very exciting. I'm glad I'm still here now. And uh, having gone through like the 60s, if you like, even the 50s, um, yeah, it's exciting times. 
if Trump doesn't drop anything. Yeah. Hi, Brian. Um, first me, then, then Brian, and then um, Stuart. Um, you said that you took the, um, that, that uh, devil vase back. What the hell did you say to the guy when you... No, he said to me, when I said, I, I can't keep this, and he said to me, I know. Yeah, exactly. Simple as that. It was spooky. It was looking at me, uh, uh, you know, it was looking at me. <laughs> and I took it back and I swapped it for a, a Toby jug or something. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pass it to Stuart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was wondering in your presentation, Brian, you were showing... He's uh, a great illustrator, Stuart. I, I've been oh, following him for years. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, had, uh, you showed examples of layered versions of your, uh, of your digital work. Uh, do you keep do you keep layered versions of each job you do, or is that kind of just for the presentation purposes? And kind of more generally, how good an archivist are you of your own work? I'm pretty good at an archivist. I don't actually keep uh, layers of them. I did that to actually try and illustrate how it works, but I I don't um, save them as layers. They're, I usually sell, save them as um, a JPEG, and I've got. I mean, hundreds and thousands, actually. And I've got, um, I've got a, uh, a CD. Um, it's called CD Finder. If ever you have you ever heard of it, all my work is on that. So, if I if I look back over the years of all the butterflies I've ever drawn, I can press a button, and I can I've got them all on CDs. So, basically, I never have to draw again. <laughs> I really don't. I, I I've done everything. I've done penguins, squirrels, elephants. <laughs> There's nothing I've not drawn. And, and, I, and I don't have to do it again. <laughs> Are there any other questions? Oh, awkward. <laughs> Shout. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, because obviously you're on the iPad and it's portable, do you always work in the same place or do you find yourself working all over the place? No, Barbados sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Canary Isles, um, Japan. Um, yeah, you can, you can, actually, that is the amazing thing about... I used to dream of one day there's going to be this thing, a pad that you can take with you around the world. And do you know what? You can draw on it. And do you know what? You can actually put a phone number in and send it anywhere you like. <laughs> I dreamt of that. I mean, that was in the 70s, actually, not long ago. And it's all come true, isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you can do anything, go anywhere around the world. Do you work in, like, I don't know, do you ever go and work in the garden or go, do you do the cafe culture thing, go work in cafes? Sometimes I work in the pub. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's good to have a beer. And sometimes I go in the pub for, a, uh, you know, read a book as well. But yeah, go anywhere, draw anywhere. There's some great illustrators who actually draw, people like David Hughes, another great illustrator. I mean, he's in the pub all the time. I mean, drawing, I'm going to try to say. Probably drinking as well. But And, and another guy, Simon Spilsbury, brilliant illustrator. You can't, I mean, whenever I see him, he, he, he always drags books out and says, come on, let's do drawing. I tell you, we had someone over here you probably know of, a guy called Gary Baseman. Quite a great, he's a, he's a really good uh, American illustrator. He came over and we started drawing with him. I mean, whenever we can get together with people who draw, another 
I mean, I was hoping there was a guy, there was two people I wanted to turn up tonight. One was uh, Chris Corr. I don't know whether you're familiar with him. He, he gives me 40 million emojis on my Instagram and I give the same him back. He's a great illustrator and he draws all the time. Um, Huntley Muir, they were great as well. Oh, somebody's shouting. Um, <coughs> I just saw when you were doing your painting, you were able to kind of go back and retrace your steps. Do you find that that kind of prohibits you from having those happy accidents that you used to have when you were just doing like loose ink washes or whatever? Um, I still I still find there are accidents happen on the iPad. I sort of make those happen. But you're right. Uh, they happened in a in a different way working with paint. Um, yeah, that was it really. Uh, it still works. I I force the accidents to happen. Hi. Hello. Um, I really like your colors in your iPad paintings that you were showing earlier. So I was thinking about maybe are you consciously consciously um, selecting those colors like beforehand, like you see this painting red and blue, or whether it's just like come easily in during the process? Uh, color, colors are quite a strange thing for me. Um, as a designer, I understood that certain colors would work. You know, like, you know, either red and yellow or something, you know. I realized that they were quite graphic. Um, when I started as an illustrator, um, I needed to be honest with myself. And when I, when I was in the kindergarten, when I was three and four, um, I was given uh, uh, pastel colors as part of my, um, you know, where I hung my clothes, one a particular pastel color. And I used those pastel colors um, on my early illustration work for a long time. And then, I, then I, I switched all of a sudden. I went into more dark colors. And now I, I swing between different color ways a lot. Also, with the iPad, of course, you can press a button and completely change one set of colors. But I used to do that with paint. I used to, I used to mix. I used to use um, egg boxes to mix gouache, and uh, to blend all the colours together. I worked it out. My invention, I think, probably not. But uh, grab a little bit of one colour and just dip it into, into all the other colours, and they all blend of a particular way. And it's almost what I do with the iPad. Um, yeah, sorry, Ren. We're running out of time, I'm We've sorry. We've run out. We have. But thank you very much, Brian and Ben. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I was really stressed about doing this, by the way, because I'm showing you work that I, I, I do. I don't talk about it. Whereas before... I was doing jobs and I could talk about each drawing because it was a job. This time, this was all fantasy stuff. So um, hopefully it made a bit of sense. Thank you. And just lastly, a massive thank you for coming out and coming down here tonight. It's really, uh, it means a lot because it's 
it's a massive privilege for me to get to interview someone of Brian's stature. Um, but to do that in front of an audience, you know, it's you don't want to do it in to a room full of ghosts. So it's cool. And um, I don't know about anyone else. I'm going to go for a beer at the Owl and the Pussycat, which is kind of just out the door, right, and then left the pub over there. So if anybody wants to come out and have a beer, do so. It's your room. <laughs> <laughs> Before I invite the world. Can I also just say thank you very much to Central Illustration Agency for the drinks that we've been able to offer tonight. Hooray for them. Thank you for that sponsorship. Yay. And also to the brilliant Us Two for providing the venue and a cow. Awesome. Doesn't get better than that. If you don't know about the Association of Illustrators, please grab me or Lou, who's our membership manager at the back, and have a chat. And definitely, definitely join today, now, online. Thank you very much. Thank you. So like I said, um, it was a raucous evening. It was brilliant. I got a little too drunk after the show, but it was well worth the fuzzy head the next morning to wake up and get this barrage of kind of very kind pieces of feedback, comments uh, on the interview, um, I loved it. I know there's a lot to improve on. I know my, you know, my questions would often kind of fade out to nothing. I would get the nerves, and, and Brian would come in with an, uh, you know, with an answer. But it was all part of the fun, and you learn from these things, and you respond, and you develop. And that's all I've done with the show. I'm very much the amateur. I went out and bought a Zoom recorder with with the support of IllustrationWeb.com and then Heart Internet uh, and and on former sponsor Printed.com. I just you know have developed over time and by no means good or you you know or even average there are people out there doing this better than me that have been doing it for a long time but you know what i love it and i have fun and i don't care that it's rough around the edges and it's going to keep going that way and i'm going to keep trying to find the guests so thanks everyone cheers to everyone who came down on the night it really does mean a lot it's a huge vote of confidence and thank you to everyone who tunes in if you couldn't be there for whatever reason that's cool that's why we're putting this out because you're equally important um and Please keep coming. Share the love, please. Let us know your thoughts at Arrest All Limits on Twitter. Keep telling people about the show if you like what I'm doing. I'm just trying to support the creative industries and put in um, an ironclad archive of, of interesting people out there that for you to learn from. I learn from every single guest that I have, and I have a great deal of fun with them too. So I hope you feel the same way. If you want to hit me up privately, it's hello at bentalent.com. Um, I get the odd email still to the old email, arrestalmimics at gmail.com. It doesn't, I don't go in there anymore, so please email me on the personal one if you want to email. Let me know who you want to hear coming up. We've got the 100th episode coming up in 10 episodes time, so I'm still working on the guests. Got a few in the pot. Um, we'll let you know how that moves as we go along. Uh, go and subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Please drop me a review if you get a moment. It does mean a lot. Um really helps spread the word got an instagram now finally on instagram so go and follow the account at arrest all limits too much sexy visual and video content for me not to put that out there so it's about time and that's happening so really pushing trying to move forward looking for new sponsorship if you've got any ideas let us know uh, but first and foremost cheers guys thanks for tuning in i hope you enjoyed the very first live podcast with illustration legend brian grimwood thank you to the association of illustrators for helping me put on the event and doing such a wonderful job um, thanks to them for the trust also and support us too at the venue were wonderful uh, and everyone who came down on the night and everyone who's listened to this show cheers uh, that's enough of the thanks uh, I'll check you catch you soon uh, we've got Ben Rothery coming up soon we've got uh, Jody Goldman talking about personal impact um, and how you can present yourself in a better way all going on coming up soon 
nice one guys take care have a good creative week and i'll catch you soon